Shalom. This is Amla Vadajishkon number 19, and we are discussing Yemot HaMashiach, the Messianic Era. Last week we looked at uh, the very few places in the Torah itself where the Yemot HaMashiach are discussed, alluded to, hinted at. We saw some Sukkim in Breshit, uh, where there's a promise to Avraham, for example, that his inheritance will return to Eretz Yisrael. Uh, there's a hint of some, back in Breshit itself, of some return to Gan Eden in the future. Uh, we spoke about the Sukkim of Bil'am, Darach Kochav Miyakov, and we spent a lot of uh, last week's discussion on the Psukim at the end of the Book of Dvarim, uh, particularly uh, Parak Lamed, what's known as the Parshat Chuva, and the promise of uh, Kibbutz Galuyot, of return to Eretz Yisrael. Um, the idea of this vision of a future time when the world is going to reach a state of perfection is found in many, many places in the Nevi'im, uh, particularly in the Navi Yishayahu, uh, but also in the other Nevi'im, in parts of Yirmiyahu, uh, and in uh, Yechezkel for sure, uh, as well as many of the Nevuot of the Treyasar, of the, of the 12 smaller Nevi'im. Uh, we don't have time here to go through uh, an extensive discussion, but I'd like to look at, just to give us some idea of what's going on, I'd like to look at um, one or two selections from the book of Yeshayahu. And let's begin with a passage that we've looked at at least once, maybe twice already, and that is in Yeshayahu Perek Bet, an almost identical version of this Nivua also appears in the book of Micha, but we will look at the version of Yeshayahu. Chapter 2 of Yeshayahu begins, Hadavar asher Yeshayahu ben Amotz al Yehudavi This is what will happen at the end of time, at the end of days. Nachon yihyeh har beit Hashem berosh haharim v'nisa migvaot v'naharu elav kol hagoyim. Yeshayahu sees a vision of Har Beit Hashem, the, the mountain with the Beit Mikdash on it, rising up above the other mountains, and v'naharu elav kol goyim, literally all the nations will come streaming to Yerushalayim. We've seen other Nevi'im that also see a vision of a convergence on, Yish, on Yerushalayim. For example, uh, Zechariah, sees a convergence on Yerushalayim that results in a terrible milchama, in a terrible war. But Yeshayahu sees all the nations converging on Yerushalayim for a very different purpose. What are they going to do? V'halchu amim rabim ve'amru l'chu v'na'ale el har Hashem el beit elokei Yaakov v'yoreinu midrachav v'nelcha b'yorchotav ki mitzion tetzei Torah Udvar Hashem Mirushalay. They're all going to say, Luchu benale el har Hashem, el beit elokei Yaakov. First of all, they're going to recognize the true God. They're going to use the four letter name of God, that which until then has been used primarily only by Am Yisrael. But now all the nations are going to call God by his true name, and they're also going to do something else. They're going to refer to him as elokei Yaakov. And what that means is that not only do they recognize the truth of God, they also recognize the truth of what Am Yisrael's position is among the nations. The idea that Avram Avinu was chosen at the beginning of Jewish history for the purpose of which we interpreted as bringing messages of godliness to the rest of the world. The idea that when Avram's descendants went to Mitzrayim, 
in slavery they, and in their exodus from Mitzrayim, they fulfilled this. We saw how when Moshe Rabbeinu first approached Paro and said, Shalach et ami, li bamibar, he said, Ko amar Hashem, Elokei Yisrael, using the four-letter name of God, Paro's initial response was, Mi Hashem. Who is this that you're talking about? And we saw that Moshe told him repeatedly, V'yadatem ki ani Hashem. Or Hashem told Moshe, V'yadu Mitzrayim ki ani Hashem. We saw that at Basof, at the end, that's exactly what happened. Paro said to Moshe, that to leave Mitzrayim, ki Hashem hatzadik, v'ani v'ami harshaim. Ah, God is the righteous one using that same four-letter name. And ultimately, just before they were drowned in the Yam Suf, all of Egypt declared, Anusa mipnei Yisrael ki Hashem, again using the four-letter name, Nilcham lehem b'mitzrayim. And we saw that shortly after that, the Jewish people stood at the foot of Har Sinai and were told, Datem tiuli mamlechet kohanim, v'goi kadosh. And we interpreted mamlechet kohanim as being the, the fulfillment or the, or the concretization of the command given to Avraham. And um, we saw how the mitzvot that were given at Sinai should be understood as the plans or the blueprint for an entire society that's meant to fulfill that purpose. Now, Yeshayahu sees a future vision of where all this is meant to lead. And everything we talked about, what Bilam saw and the insights we got from that, and the two tochachot, both at the end of Bayikra and at the end of Bamibar, that laid out for us the plan of Jewish history. And the idea that if we fulfill our mission, everything is going to be good because... Hashem will take care of us because Am Yisrael, living in Eretz Yisrael, according to Torah, will itself, by the process of just the natural impact it will have on the world and the reality that people are going to see what a good life we're leading by living according to the Torah, ultimately is going to lead to this, to this vision that Yeshayahu sees. And we saw there also that if we don't fulfill that mission, then there's a series of punishments, including ultimately exile. But eventually, as we saw in Devarim last week, we're going to do tshuva, we're going to repent our sins, we're going to come back to Eretz Israel, and we're going to fulfill that mission. And we're going to live according to the Torah, and we're going to be the Mamlechet Kohanim Egoi Kadosh. And eventually, that's going to lead, not through miraculous divine intervention, I believe, but simply through the natural human consequence of the forces of history, of people seeing the example set by Am Yisrael really acting as Mamlechet Kohanim Egoi Kadosh. Eventually, that's going to lead to this Pasuk. Let's read it again. Pasuk Gimel, Vahalchu, Amim, Rabim, Ve'amru. Many nations who come streaming to Yerushalayim are going to say this. Lechu v'na'alel ar Hashem. Let's go up to that mountain. The mountain of the true God. El Beit Elokei Yaakov. To the mountain of God who we now understand, we learn about through the children of Yaakov. V'yoreinu midrachav. We want him to teach us the Torah. Yoreinu is the same word as Torah. V'nelchav yorchotav. And we want to walk in those paths. We want to follow the Torah. That doesn't mean that the nations are going to accept the 613 mitzvot and become members of the Jewish nation. It means they're going to follow the Torah. And we've already pointed out that the entire humanity is obligated to follow the Torah. Some of us had 613 mitzvot. Some of us have seven mitzvot. But we all have to follow the Torah. And Yeshayahu sees a vision where they're going to say that. Ki mitzion Torah. Udvar Hashem Yerushalayim. The word of God and the Torah go out from Yerushalayim to the entire world. And what's that going to lead to? Vishafat ben agoyim. Vochiach lamim rabim. God at that time will judge the nations. Will rebuke those who have sinned. Vechititu charvotam la'itim. 
V'chanitotehem lemazmerot, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Lo yisagoyel goicherev, v'lo yilmedu od milchama. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, and they shall not study war any longer. This is all going to lead to an era of peace on earth. That vision, which today is inscribed on the wall outside of the United Nations uh, headquarters in New York City, and we'll talk about that perhaps in a, one of the last sessions, that vision which provides this, this uh, idyllic view that all mankind at least claims to be striving for, comes from Yeshayahu Anavi and represents the fulfillment of basically the culmination of history and the fulfillment of the mission of Am Yisrael. Let's take a look at one more passage in Yeshayahu. Uh, another well-known passage from uh, Perak Yud Aleph, chapter 11. Yeshayahu tells us, Kodem Kol, first he says, V'yatsa choter mi geza Yishai v'neitzer mi shorashav yifreh. He specifically, uh, a shoot will come forth from the, from the trunk of Yishai. Yishai, of course, is the father of David. And here we have an explicit reference to the idea of, a, of, a, of the idea that Malchut Beit David is eternal. And that's something that was uh, discussed also in the book of Shmuel. Uh, and here, uh, there's this image of a choter migeza. One has the image of a tree that was cut down, and all that remains is the stump of the tree that appears to be dead. And then at some point, a small sapling sprouts from the trunk, and the tree begins to grow again, as it were a form of triatamaitim, a form of resurrection. Uh, and this refers to the revival, assumedly, of the Davidic, Davidic dynasty, Malchut Beit David, so a shoot will come forth from the trunk of Yishai, v'neitzer mishorashav, and an offshoot from his roots, Yifreh, will blossom. So this is the, uh, one of the main sources for the idea of what Chazal called Mashiach ben David. V'nachalav ruach Hashem, ruach chokhma uvina, ruach eitza uvura, ruach da'at v'yirat Hashem. This descendant of David will have all sorts of special qualities, wisdom and understanding, counsel and, and, um, and heroism, knowledge and fear of God, It seems that this, this individual who is a descendant of David will be judging the world. So we see him here in the role of a king. And we see perhaps that the divine judgment that was mentioned a few chapters earlier, perhaps is carried out through the agency of this human king, who is the king of Am Yisrael, and essentially the king of the world at that point. It says that he has it in the previous Pasuk, He has the unique ability to, to see beyond that which others can see. He has the ability to judge almost through a sense of smell or intuition, as it were. And therefore, he's going to judge with absolute justice and bring, uh, bring to the poor and the, and the downtrodden, uh, bring them justice. And then it says in Pasuk Vav, Vigar Ze'ev im Keves, Vinamer im Gedi Yerbats, Ve'egel Ukfir Umiri Yachdav, Vinar Katon Nohegbam. 
very, very well-known and difficult pasuk, the wolf shall live with the sheep and the leopard with the young goat will jump around and, and the calf and all these other uh, mixture of animals, some uh, predators and some prey, they're all going to live together with a small child, the Nahar Katon, a small child leading this parade of animals that normally um, some of them would attack the others, but they're all going to live together in peace. Ufara vadov tirena yachtav, a bear and a, and a cow will both graze together, the bear which normally is a a carnivorous animal that attacks other animals is going to eat grass together with the the cow. Their children, the little calf and the, and the bear cub will play together. And a lion will eat grass like like cattle. And then it says, Lo yareyu v'lo yashchitu b'chol harikadshi ki mal'ah ha'aretz de'ayat Hashem kamayim layam mechasim. Lo yareyu v'lo yashchitu b'chol harikadshi. They shall not do evil and they shall not cause any destruction in, on all of my holy mountain. All of these animals that currently cause destruction will not do so at all. Why? The entire world will be filled with the knowledge of God just as the sea is filled with water. Now, the image of these different animals uh, playing together and uh, uh, lions eating grass as opposed to being uh, predators, there are different opinions among the commentators as to how that should be understood. Uh, some understand it in a literal sense and believe that the, the days of the Mashiach will involve a fundamental reordering of the world order. That essentially uh, the, the very facts of nature will change. And, e- and, and, and animals that are currently violent, even animals, will uh, have their nature fundamentally altered and the, 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 the sense of peace that will reign on earth is so great that it will even affect the animal kingdom. That's how some understand this pasuk. Others, like the Rambam, don't understand it that way at all. We'll read the Rambam probably uh, either next week or the following week um, in greater detail. We'll read it inside, but the Rambam is of the opinion that this pasuk should be understood metaphorically or allegorically, and that animals are still going to act like animals, but that the the uh, the, the predator animals, the lion and the and the bear and the and the wolf that are mentioned in those pasukim are meant to be uh, representative of the nations of the world who currently act violently and uh, the sheep and the cow and the calf are, uh, and the goat are all images uh, that represent Am Yisrael and perhaps the other weak and downtrodden nations and that there's going to be peace on earth between people, not necessarily between animals. The Radak has a sort of in-between position. He says that the nature of animals is not going to change, but that the Pasuk actually does refer to real animals, and it indicates that in the land of Israel, there will be no uh, attacks by wild animals, because it says, Lo yareyu v'lo yashchitu b'chol har kodshi. And the Pasuk specifically uh, points to the holy mountain, which he understands as a reference, uh, I guess, specifically to Yerushalayim, but by extension to the entire land of Israel. One way or another, though, the era of Yemot Mashiach 
is seen, first of all, as an era of peace between people. That we saw already in the Pasuk of Lo Yisagoyel Goy Cherev, the Lo Yomudu Od Milchama. But it, this peace on earth is not simply a result of some kind of uh, treaty between the nations, some kind of non-aggression pact, or even as a result of some kind of evolution of mankind, uh, you know, perhaps along the... Uh, Along the lines of John Lennon, you know, all we are saying is give peace a chance or something like that. Uh, it's not seen only as a result of some kind of human process, but of a human process that's revolving around the recognition of God. It's because of the fact that uh, knowledge of God is... Uh, permeating the world, that's the reason why uh, and everyone uh, stops fighting with one another. That's the reason why they're willing to beat their swords into plowshares. And that's the result of That's the, the result of the messages that Am Yisrael represents finally, finally being, uh, being learned by, by all of mankind. Now, as I say, we could theoretically um, read many, many, many other parts of Tanakh to fill out this picture further, but I think we've done enough to get a basic picture. The Tanakh, both the Torah itself and in greater extent the Nevi'im, uh, create this, this image for us of history moving to a point where, first of all, Am Yisrael returns to Eretz Yisrael, all of Am Yisrael returns to Eretz Yisrael, Kibbutz Galuyot, um, where the Beit HaMikdash, Har Beit Hashem, is rebuilt, where there's some sort of leader who in some way is a descendant of David, uh, who rules first of all over Am Yisrael, but ultimately over the entire world, because the entire world recognizes, first of all, the truth of God, second of all, the truth of the Torah, and third of all, the role of Am Yisrael as the spiritual leader of the world. This leads to an era where there's justice throughout the earth, where there's a day of judgment, where there's ultimately peace on earth, Nation not lifting up sword against nation, uh, and perhaps even, if one takes it literally, among the animals as well. Um, there are a few other things we saw, but which we'll return to uh, a bit later on. But I also want to mention that Torah Shebaal Peh, the, the rabbis both in the Talmud and in the various Midrashim, speak extensively about the Emot Mashiach, and to go through all of those sources would take even longer. So here also I just want to give uh, a brief a brief um, a sampling of just a few of the statements of the rabbis. One of the many places where there's an extensive discussion in Agadic li- literature about, um, about this is the 11th parak of Masechet Sanhedrin, what's known as Perek Chelek, a chapter of the Talmud that's devoted entirely to Agadita. And much of uh, this parak discusses uh, Yemot Mashiach. And I'll just point to a few somewhat well-known Ma'amare um, Chazal, rabbinic statements that are found in this uh, in this parak. Uh, for example, on Daf Tzari Chet Amud Aleph, page ninety-eight A, we have Rabbi Levi Rami. Rabbi Levi, I'm sorry, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi Rami. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi uh, pointed out an apparent contradiction in a pasuk. There's a pasuk in Yeshayahu that says Ani Hashem biita achishena. I will hasten it, referring to the coming of the redemption, I will hasten it in its time. 
And uh, this strange expression, achishana, I will hasten it in its time, seems to be a, a, an a expression which itself is an oxymoron. It seems to contain an inherent contradiction. So Rabbi Le- Yoshua ben Levi Rami, Ktiv bi'ita, it says it will happen at its time, Uktiv achishana, and it says God will hasten it. How could it be? If it's in its time, it's not being hastened. If it's hastened, it comes before its time. And Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi explains for us what that means. Zachu achishana. Lo zachu bi'ita. It depends. There are different ways, according to Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, that the, that the redemption can happen. If we are deserving, it can happen earlier than its predestined time. But if we're not, then it'll happen at the predestined time. In other words, there's, there's this idea, according to Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, and we'll talk next week about the fact that there may be some debate about this. But at least according to Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, it seems that the Messiah has to come. There has to be a redemption, but it could either happen... Uh, because it just has to happen, or it could happen because we actually deserve it, and if, if we actually deserve it, it can happen early. But he, Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi is then quoted by pointing to a different contradiction. Ketiv, it says, it says um, in the book of Daniel, Daniel has this vision of the Mashiach coming in some kind of miraculous, uh, elaborate uh, manner coming down from the clouds in the sky uh, with some sort of very, very grandiose vision. Uchtiv, but Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah sees something different. He has the Mashiach described as Ani v'rochev al-chamor, a poor man riding on a donkey. Assumably uh, both images, coming down from the clouds in the sky or a poor man riding on a donkey, assumably both of these images are metaphoric, but they're also very different. They, they, don't, they don't jive with one another. And he says, Zachu shmaya, lo zachu ani He says that the distinction that I mentioned in the previous Pasuk, the idea that um, the idea that um, that uh, the Mashiach could come either because it just has to happen or because we deserve it, not only could affect the chronology of when Mashiach comes, whether it'll happen bi'ita or whether it will be achishana, but it also can seem to affect the manner in which the redemption can happen. It can happen in a grandiose fashion, symbolized by anane shmaya, but also, it also could happen um, in a manner that's symbolized as a poor man riding on a donkey. It could be it could be a um, very, very elaborate and uh, beautiful redemption, or it could be a sort of a uh, very, very unhappy type of experience. And it all depends on whether it happens because we deserve it, or whether it happens when we don't deserve it, simply because it has to happen. Uh, further down on the same page, a few lines later, there's another story told. Um, about um, about uh, Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, and then this is a story also that I think, um, uh, to me at least, it's clear that this is not meant to be taken as a literal description of a historical event, but rather um, some sort of uh, allegorical presentation. The Gemara tells us that Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi met Eliyahu Anavi. Amar and he asked Eliyahu, "Emat ati Mashiach." I want to know when's Mashiach coming. 
Amar lei. So Eliyahu responded with a very, very surprising response. Zil shayle lididei. Eliyahu said, what are you asking me for? Go ask the Mashiach himself. Ask him when he's coming. So Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi was somewhat astounded. Really? I can ask the Mashiach himself? Where can I find him? Where is he sitting? And Eliyahu responded readily, He's sitting at the entrance to the city. Really? I can just go to the entrance to the city and find the Mashiach and ask him when he's coming? How am I going to know where to find him? How am I going to know who he is? So Eliyahu said, Yativ bein aniyei sovlei chalayim. You're going to find at the entrance to the city a lot of poor people who are suffering from various diseases, skin problems, and they're sitting there outside the city in a very, very downtrodden state, and he's among those people. And how are you going to know which one he is? You have to look at them carefully. Kulan sharu vasire bechad zimna. These people have to temp- these people who are suffering from these terrible skin diseases, these very, very downtrodden people who are in this very, very pathetic state, they're wrapped up in bandages. And they have to, from time to time, they have to undo their bandages and redo them. Most of them, you'll see, take off all the bandages and then replace all of them. But Ihu, but he, Sharichad Asirchad, he doesn't do that. He undoes one bandage and redoes it, and then he takes off the next bandage and redoes it. Instead of taking them all off and putting them back on, he does one at a time. Why? Omar, Dilma Delo Iakev. Because he's always, what we call in Israel, on Koninut. He's always on call. At any moment, it could be time for him to come and redeem Am Yisrael. <coughs> so, he wants to make sure that he's always ready. So he never leaves himself unbandaged. And again, I, I think it's clear that that's a metaphoric image that on the one hand, the Mashiach, could be coming from the lowest situation, but he also could come at any, at any moment. So, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, now that he knows how to find the Mashiach, runs and talks to him. Azal Gabe he finds, and he goes to the gate of the city, and he finds exactly what Eliyahu told him to expect. He finds this group of poor people suffering, and he finds and observes them and notices that one of them adjusts his bandages in the manner that Eliyahu and Navi described, unlike all the others. So he approaches the man. And he says to him, Amalei, Shalom Alecha, Rabbi Umori. He addresses him as my master, my teacher. Amalei, Shalom Alecha, Barlevai. And the Mashiach, uh, I guess in order to indicate that he really is the Mashiach, he says to him, Shalom to you, Ben Levi. He recognizes Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi, even though assumedly they had never met. Rabbi Yeshua Levi gets right to the point. Amalei, Le'emat Atimar. Rabbi Shubhanavi says, when are you coming? When are you going to reveal yourself and, and save the Jewish people? Amarle Hayom. He says, today. So, one can imagine that Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi went home um, very, very, very excited uh, that Mashiach is coming today. Atal Eliyahu. He came to Eliyahu and he told him this. But unfortunately, the Mashiach didn't come. And Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi uh, was very, very disappointed. And he came to Eliyahu down, very, very dejected, and he said, He said, the Mashiach lied to me. Eliyahu says, the Mashiach lied to you? What do you mean he lied to you? Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi explained, He told me yesterday that he was going to come today, meaning he was going to come then. And I waited all day, and he didn't come. 
So the Mashiach lied to me. Amarli Eliyahu said, you just didn't understand what he meant. Amarli, when he said that to you, he was quoting, when he said Hayom today, he was quoting a pasuk, a pasuk in Tehilim. Hayom im bekolo tishmau. He was telling you that he could come today if only you, all of you, will listen to God's voice. The Mashiach can come at any time. The question is when the Mashiach will come. And that question, you wanted to hear the answer to that question from the Mashiach himself, but the Mashiach told you it's not up to him. And it's not even really up to God. It's up to you, in the plural, I'm Yisrael. When's Mashiach coming? Hayom! Today! In Bikolot Now, this sampling of sources that we've looked at, both last week and this week, both in, um, both in the uh, Tanakh and, uh, and a little bit in the, in the writings of, of our rabbis, um, needs to be understood not only on the level of philosophy, but on the level of what does this mean in a practical sense. And uh, what I want to do in the, in the final few podcasts of this series is to try to address that matter, first by looking at what a few of the Rishonim had to say about Yemota Mashiach, and finally to bring it down to some very practical conclusions that will sum up not only the discussion of the Mashiach, but really everything we've talked about um, in all of, these, uh, all of these podcasts. So until next week, I wish you shalom.